We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Redemption Church with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Online, thank you so much for tuning in. We love you all, and we are excited to share the Word of God with every one of you today. Today we're starting a brand new series, and it is called Greater Reward. Can you say those words with me? Greater Reward. Now, I need you to correct me if I'm wrong. I'm usually wrong, I've noticed. Vicki tells me all the time. She just lets me know. I need you to correct me if I'm wrong. You, you stick with me. Let me know if I'm wrong here. You get up early and you put on workout clothes and you go to the gym to do awkward workouts in front of a room of strangers and you're lifting heavier and heavier weights and you do all of this to have a flabbier and weaker body. Is that correct? No. No. You do it to have a greater reward. That's right. You get, you get it to have a greater reward of health and strength in your body. What about this? When you cut up credit cards, you limit your spending and you save money. You actually have learned that your car can drive past a Starbucks without buying a $5 coffee. You have learned to tell yourself, no, when a new iPhone is coming out. iPhone $13,000, is that what it's called? You do all of this, right, so that your financial outlook will be bleaker, more depressing, and you'll be poorer. Isn't that right? No. You, 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 are you telling me that you do it to have a greater financial reward of peace and margin? Absolutely, that's why you do it. You, you tell your spouse, I think we need to talk. Everybody go, ooh. ooh right? And then you proceed to have an uncomfortable talk about owning mistakes, creating change, and loving at a deeper level. And you sit across from each other and take turns crying and watching the other one cry. And you put yourself through all this agony so that your marriage will slowly die the same death of over 50% of marriages experience. Isn't that why you do it? You mean you don't do this to go through divorce? No, you are willing to go through these difficult conversations because you believe there is a greater reward of a long, happy, loving life together. Say amen if it's right. And why did you come to church today? Now that it's fall back, it's completely dark about now. It's complete, it's, it is time for bed. Some of y'all felt that it is just time for bed, but here you are. Why did you get dressed and, and come out this evening and worship, receive the word and pray? Why do you live out this Christian life during the week? You do it. Why? So you'll grow further and further from God. Is that it? No, that's not it. No, you came tonight because you know in your heart there is a greater reward found in his presence. You believe that there is an answer on the other side of your prayer, so you keep praying. You believe that you can draw closer to God, and not only will you draw closer to God, but as you draw closer to God, he draws closer to you. Clap your hands all over this house if you believe it. We do it because there is a greater reward, and we're willing to struggle and even fail Willing to try again. Willing to struggle. Willing to even fail. And willing to try again. Willing to say no to good things so that you can say yes to the greater things. Willing to discipline ourselves. Willing to look into the word of God, look at our life and say that's not matching up, and then making change towards the Word of God. Willing to face hardship. We do this all because we believe something greater is possible. Say those words, greater is possible. Over the next few weeks in this series, 
we're going to be talking about how to receive greater reward for your effort. But tonight, my message is really simple. It starts here. Greater is possible. Greater is possible. I'm telling you, if greater wasn't possible, none of those examples I just gave you would anyone do. Everyone would sleep in. Nobody would go. The gym would not even be a place because it would shut down because no one would go because there's no point in going. No, no one would try to get out of debt. No one would try to get healthy. No one would try to get their relationships back into order. No one would be here at church if we didn't know that there was a greater reward. To the person who does not like how they look in the mirror and how they feel in their body, I want to tell you today, greater is possible. To the person who is not sure a good marriage is even possible because of all your experiences and all of the many bad examples around you, I've come to tell you, greater is possible. To the person who is struggling emotionally, financially, spiritually, I want you to lift up your head. The world just finds a way of just dragging you down. Lift up your head because why? Somebody say it. Greater is possible. Child of God, greater is possible. Redemption Church, greater is possible. You are not resigned to have the same life you've always had. You are not resigned to have the same difficulties you face right now. You are not resigned to die in your current state. There is something greater ahead of you. There is a greater reward that is possible. We live in a world where greater may not seem possible. Would you agree with that? You have friends that, that you're amazed how they, they don't see a better world in front of them. You, run in, you, you talk to people, that, uh, you run into this all the time. How can you even have kids? How could you bring kids into a world like this? And that is not an unusual thing to hear. You've heard that, right? Somebody nod me. Somebody maybe even thought it. I want to tell you, even thinking that reveals that you, there is a thinking there that a greater reward is not even possible. When you say, why bother? Why try? Why even have the conversation? Let's just go our separate ways and end it all right now. That is a belief that the greater is not possible. But today, we're going to throw our, our shoulders back. We're going to look up into the sky. We're going to declare that greater is possible. When, when we talk, when we think about government, right? Corruption, right? Greed. We, we elect these people over and over again. I don't know. Our Congress, you know, the, the, uh, the, we always talk about the presidential approval numbers. The Congress approval numbers have always been abysmal. I'm talking like under 20%, y'all, like 10%, y'all, like awful, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Uh, we go back and elect those same jokers again and again and again. You, you look in your Congress, there are people in the Congress, the Senate and the House, they've been there 30 years. And you look at that and you go, how are we ever gonna change this? I don't even know if, if it's possible. It feels like we are powerless to change. You raise your hand, you feel powerless when it comes to things like government. You ought to feel that way, man. I, I absolutely feel that way. I don't think it's wrong to feel that way. When we think about sexual abuse, we think about drug abuse. We think about evils committed. We feel like things are only getting worse. We look out at the world and everything around us is just getting worse. When we see marriages suffering, health failing, finances falling, and churches closing, it feels like maybe, maybe the good days are gone forever. You know, people talk about the good old days and they're always in the past, right? Maybe, maybe it feels like maybe that ought to be a little true because of the world we look around and see. I've come to declare by faith that greater is possible. You do not have to resign yourself to lesser, weaker, or poorer because greater is possible. Quiz time, everybody. Quiz time. Quiz time. Did you know there's going to be quiz this week? You didn't, I'm so sorry. Yeah, there, there is a quiz. We are grading strictly. 
Where in your Bible is the defining scripture of faith? Can anybody shout, shout that out? Where in your Bible is the defining scripture of faith? I'm, I'm, li- I'm listening for somebody. Where is it? Where in your scripture? It's quiz time. We've got to get it. Come on, Redemption Church. Where in your Bible is uh, Hebrews? I got a Hebrews. Uh, Hebrews what? Everybody. Hebrews what? 11. What are we talking about? The faith chapter. Where in your Bible is the defining scripture on faith? It is found in? Oh, y'all scared me, but y'all passed it. Good job. Give yourselves a hand of accomplishment. This is one of these things Christians ought to know. Hebrews chapter 11. What verse? What verse? Can anybody give me one verse? One verse. Hebrews 11 and 1. How does this scripture define faith? As you think about it, we're going to turn to it. Hebrews 11 and 1. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Now, it is good to know where verses are in your Bible. That's always something I'm working on, and I always fall woefully short. Don't you feel bad when you you can't tell me where it is in the Bible? Because half the time I'm like, Google, I can tell you three words in this verse. Please magically let me know where it is. I do this all the time. (laughs) Uh, so it is good to know where these verses are. It is even better to be able to, to quote verses like this one. This is one. You, you ought to know this verse. You, you need to know it. But, all, but you also need to be able to understand. And I would tell you that's the most important thing. I would tell you there are many Christians that can tell you where this verse is and quote it, but they've never been able to really understand and even take the next step, explain verses like this one. To understand it and to explain it. This is a verse that you need to have not only know where it is, what it says. You got to know what it means so that you can explain it. Stare at this verse for a little bit. Can you just stare at that verse a little bit? Everybody stare, stare, stare at it. Understand this verse. In your own brain right now, put it in your own words. You in our live stream, go ahead and leave a comment that puts this verse in your own words. Whatever that is, I challenge you, not not to even just quote what the NIV says here, but, but actually take this, put it in your own words. I believe it's saying this. Sometimes we're not able to like really say it like the Bible says it, and that's okay. Sometimes you need to say it like Rick Nolan says it. This is how Rick Nolan understand it. This is how Kathy understands it. And that is perfectly fine as long as it's lining up with the original meaning. But that is even better because now it's coming home to you and now it's living in your heart and now it's able to come out of your mouth. You're never able to explain it if it's not living in here and understood. You are able to copycat it and y'all come on, I'm going to say it. Too many Christians are just copycats. They repeat something that they don't even understand. And people are like, what are you talking about? I don't understand it. And you're like, well, I don't either, but I, I believe it. That, that's not good enough. Y'all get that? I mean, that's not a beat down on you. There is better for you. I would say there's a greater reward in having this so understood in your heart that now it can come out of your mouth. I took time this week. I even went to the Facebook and asked for help, asked people's thoughts on it, what, uh, to reduce this verse down to its simplest sentence possible. And uh, there was a lot of great help. Thank you for that. I really do appreciate it. But here is my sentence. It's really simple. Faith is hope. It's the simplest. Now, that's not a full understanding of what this verse is. I know there's a lot There's a lot to this verse. I've heard this verse probably preached 50 different ways. I'm not even exaggerating. It's such a major verse, and there's so much depth to it. But if I were to take it to the simplest thing for you, and who likes simple? Oh, I like simple. I like simple. Sarah likes simple. That's why she uh, married me. All right. Faith is, somebody say it, hope. That's the simplest way, I think, to describe faith. 
If you have lost hope, then you are not operating in faith. Right? It says that faith is confidence in what we hope for. So if you don't have hope, you are not obviously operating in faith. A hopeless world is a faithless world. You want to know why why the world's hopeless? Because it's faithless. These things go hand in hand. Who knows the world feels hopeless? We everybody can 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 see that. What we what we don't understand is it's because the world is faithless. It is not a hope for something worse, however, right? We don't hope for worse. But we hope for something greater, absolutely. So faith is hope for greater. So real quick, I'm going to ask you this. Is there a hopeless area in your life? Right now, put the, now, you answer that inside your heart right now. You get real with it. Is there a hopeless area inside of your life? Is there an area of your life you can't imagine it getting any better? Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's your skill. Maybe it's how you're living. Maybe it's your health. What is it? Maybe it's the circumstance. You've really poured yourself into something, and you just can't see it getting better. What is that area? Is there an area of your life that is lacking hope? If so, faith in God needs to flow into that area of your life. It's really simple, but it's deeply profound. If there is an area of your life that you're completely hopeless with, you need not to just try harder. You don't need to just, well, I'm going to get up two more hours early and just work work it out, try to work more, work harder, work, ah. No. It may require that in the long run, but I want to tell you today, you need faith in God to flow into the area of your life that is hopeless. When you look at the world and you see a hopeless world, we need to pray, God, let the faith in you flow into this world. You see a family that's hopeless. What's wrong with this family? God, this this family is just hopeless. Oh, Lord, let the faith of God flow into that household. Something's wrong in my church. Something's wrong in my career. Something's wrong in my body. And instead of pointing all these fingers, lift your head to heaven and say, faith in God come be present in my situation. It is great when you have a faith that simply knows. Now I'm going to get on to us Christians a little bit. Us Christians say things sometimes, and we mean really well. Right? We, we really do mean well. Like somebody's going through a life tragedy that is affecting their life, and somebody just walks up and says, they're Christian, right? They say, well, you know, brother, you already know. You just got to have, who's ever had that said to them? Has it ever helped them? <laughs> has, that ever, has that sentence ever helped anybody? I'm going to tell you it has not. <laughs> that person is already using all the faith they have to keep this fingernail attached to the cliff. And somebody says, well, brother, you just got to have faith. I'm like, they are having faith. They're still breathing. (laughs) They are having faith. They haven't punched you in the nose. They are having faith. They're going through difficulty. I would tell you, we really, in Christianity, we we misunderstand faith and trouble. We think trouble means we don't have faith, and that is absolutely wrong. Just like trouble doesn't mean you don't have hope. It is great when you have a faith. Faith that simply knows. Sometimes people talk about that. You know, I just have a faith. I just know it by faith. I just I feel it. I feel it. I know. I know that I know that I know. I had a pastor once who said, I just know it in my knower. I'm like, what is that? I don't know. I don't know if I know it in my knower. I don't know if I have a knower. Anyone have a knower? I don't know. I know what he was trying to say. But, you know, to a lot of people, what does that even mean? 
It is cool to have a faith that knows, a confident, a certain faith, it's great. Oh, yeah, I'm going to just walk on water and just, we're going to be fine. It is cool to have that kind of faith, but if you allow me to be honest, I'm going to tell you, I, I don't always have a confident, certain faith. My faith is not always just absolutely rock solid, I know, absolutely. Somebody says, somebody brings me this problem, like, this terrible problem with like 12 different points of terrible, right? And each one is in order from least to greatest. And by the end, you're like melted going, what? In the, and then they say, what do you think I should do? I'm going to tell you, I know exactly what I'm going to say. I'm going to say, my God, let's pray. Because I don't know what to do. We need to talk to the one who does. I don't always know. I'm not always confident. I'm not always certain. Anybody there? I'm going to tell you, it is fine to be there. Sometimes I operate on hope. I would tell you it's still faith to operate on hope. Sometimes I don't know, but I can hope. I can absolutely hope. When you lifted up your hands to the Lord in worship, do you, did you know what you were going to feel? Did you know absolutely what you were going to feel when you lifted up your hands in worship. I'm going to tell you, I didn't know, but I hoped I would feel God's presence. I hoped that my sacrifice of praise would reach up to heaven and he would be pleased with me. I hoped. I hoped. When I pray for people, do I know with certainty what God is going to do? I can count on my hand the number of times I really, I really knew for certain what God was going to do. I'm being honest, it's, it's happened a few times, but it has been not the majority of my prayer. The majority of my prayer is, I don't know, but I certainly hope that God is going to do something because I am obeying his word and I am going to step out and do what he told me to do. So I hope that God is going to move. Sometimes we treat hope as if it were actually hopeless. Well, I hope so. We even say that. Like, like we say, I hope so, with absolutely no hope. Like you say, I hope so, with nobody says, well, I really hope so. No, we're like, dear, uh, the gas tank says E. Are we going to make it to the store? And I'm like, I hope so. Right? I, I'm like, I don't really think so, but I'm going to say, I'm going to say the right words. But no, no, there's something weird about that. We treat hope as if it were hopelessness. And we treat faith as if it were 100% certainty. Y'all stick with me. We treat faith, faith that is less than 100% certainty is not faith. I'm telling you that is an absolute bold lie. That scripture does not say that. Now it does say confidence in what you hope for, absolutely. But who knows that confidence is not 100% certainty. Ever. Huh. I'm telling you, you've heard the phrase, this phrase right here, seeing is believing. Somebody help me, help the preacher. You've heard that? Yes. Yeah, right. Good. Seeing is believing. One of my good friends, Bruce Fain. By the way, are we glad to see the Fain family here tonight? Can we hear it for them? I love you guys. One of my good friends, Bruce Fain, has told me this testimony several times about a really huge faith moment in his life, all right? He was really on the edge of where he was as a believer. Is he a believer? Is he not a believer? He was in, in the weighing in the balance of, of all of that. And I actually called him this week because I just wanted to make sure I got this story right. Bruce was sitting, struggling as a believer on his couch, and he was going around the dial on his TV. He was not doing anything spiritual. He was just looking for something to watch. And he went around and he ran across one of those church programs. And a preacher stopped him in his tracks when he heard these words. And he decided to put that remote down and listen to this guy a little bit. That preacher said these words, if you see and you don't believe, there is something wrong with you. If you see something and don't believe, 
there's something wrong with you, right? What? This is a guitar. Everybody that sees, do you believe it? You don't win any prizes for, be- for believing it because you can see it. If you didn't believe that this right here was a guitar, there would be something wrong with you. The preacher went on to say, believing is when you can't see. And that requires faith. So seeing is not believing. 100% certainty is not believing. Believing is when you can't see. And in order to believe, in order to really hold to what you can't understand, what you can't grab, what you can't see, it requires faith. Are you following me? That day, Bruce decided he would believe by faith in God, in a God could not see. He's turned his life over and his life changed forever. Can we hear it for God on that? (laughs) Scripture in Romans chapter 8, verse 24 and 25. Hope that is seen is no hope at all. Look at that. Hope that is seen is no hope at all. Do you see that on that screen? Hope that is seen is actually not hope. Do you understand this? Hope that is seen is not hope. But because who hopes for what they already have? Verse 25. But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. I want to tell you. Faith is not knowing. Faith is not seeing. Just like hope is not knowing. Hope is not seeing. So take it back to this. Faith is hope for greater. Does anyone have hope for greater today? Oh, but you can't see it, right? Doesn't matter. That's that's the point. The, the fact that you can't see it means it is hope. Eve was kicked out of the garden, and then she lost both of her sons, Cain and Abel. A terrible sin happened that caused her to lose both of her children. Yet, she hoped for something greater. She hoped in the promise of God that that God would bring a Messiah through her seed, even though she couldn't see it. Even though all that she could see was the worst kind of wreckage, she still had hope in greater. Hope for greater. The world became worse and worse. And in Genesis chapter 6, it says these words, that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. That's what it says in Genesis 6. How bad was the world getting? It was getting so bad, it's all we could think about was doing more and more evil. What could we do that was more and more evil? I would tell you, mm, our world might get a little bit like that. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. You all right with that? It, it is coming back to that as it was in the days of Noah. So shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man, Jesus says. But listen, the world's getting so bad. You can't look anywhere and see good news. All you see is somebody doing something more evil than you even knew was possible. (laughs) I didn't know we could do that kind of evil. That is what the world was filled with. And although everything is getting worse, a man named Noah hears the voice of God and in hope builds an ark of safety that saves him and his family. Hope for greater. Zoom ahead in your Bible. You got the biggest, the baddest giant. His name is Goliath. And he stood out in the field and he defied the armies of Israel. He wasn't even polite about it. What is it like? Dear sirs, I oppose you. No, he was talking bad about their God and their mama all at once. He was doing it. And none of the men on the sidelines, even though they were trained for battle, even though they were armed for battle, none of them went out to meet this giant in battle, but a young shepherd boy named 
David walked out into the field and said, giant, you come against me with the sword and shield, but I hope in something greater. He says these words, I come to you in the name of the Lord. What is he saying? He's saying, the name of my Lord is greater than your sword. The name of my Lord is greater than your shield. The name of my Lord is greater than your strength. The name of my Lord is greater than your height. I come to you and I hope in something greater than you. And that's the real difference between David and those men on the sideline. Hope for greater. God's own son came to earth. And things started to look better for a moment. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. Jesus revealed to us who God is and how God loves us. Then this Lamb of God is brutally killed on the cross in the worst way imaginable. He was then laid in a tomb dead. It appeared... All hope was lost. But the message in your Bible is to always hope for greater. And even though there were no disciples actually doing it, not a single disciple was hoping for greater. They were all hiding. Nobody arrived at the tomb going, here it is. It's the third day. Just like he said, we got the balloons. We got the cake. Welcome back, Jesus. Didn't happen. The ladies that were at the tomb were actually there to help embalm him. That's how much lack of faith they had. They only had faith he was a dead body that they could somehow properly care for a dead body. But the message in your Bible is to hope for greater. And without a single person believing, without a single worshiper on site, without a single person saying, I'm going to quote some scripture, without a single worship song, without anything, a stone began to move and it rolled away. And a man named Jesus rose from the grave and he is still alive today, alive forevermore. Because Jesus is alive forevermore, guess what? Hope is alive forevermore. Say, hope is alive forevermore. If only had a verse to say that, Omar. I do. It's First Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Clap your hands. That is worthy of praise. It's worthy of joy. My gosh. I feel like there's a living hope in this place today. It's not because the preacher is saying the right things. It's because there is a living hope. He raised from the dead and he is yet alive because he lives I can face Tomorrow, I have all hope, and it's a living hope. Faith is hope for greater. Do you have hope for greater today? Now, listen, if you don't have hope for greater today, don't act like you do. Can I help you out? Don't be like, well, you know, Charles over there is acting like he does, so I'm going to act like I do too. Yeah, preacher, and say it very hollow-like. No. No, if you don't have hope for today, then this is supposed to rattle your cage. It's supposed to make you feel like, wait, why don't I? And if you do have hope for today, yeah, that ought to be lifting you up. That ought to be pumping you up. That ought to be like, oh my goodness, I cannot wait to walk out in hope and in faith in my living hope, Jesus Christ. But if you don't have that hope, I'm telling you, don't act like you do want you to know God wants you to do more than just act like you do. He wants you to do more than act like you have victory. He wants you to do more than act like you're going to heaven. He actually wants you to go 
to heaven. He actually wants you to have victory. He actually wants you to have a real smile on your face. Oh, I hope that is a lie forever. It's all because greater is possible. If faith is an underlying truth in the Bible, this pattern over and over again, that greater is possible, even when it can't be seen, that is in your Bible. It's foundational. But let me ask you this. How great are we talking here? Look at somebody say, how great are we talking? And somebody says, hey, I got a great deal on this. Like, you come home. Gentlemen, you come home after buying, like, a motorcycle maybe. And you say to your wife, hey, but, but I got a great deal on it. That wife is going to say, how great are we talking? I mean, like, how great is, are we talking a free motorcycle? Because that's what our budget is requiring. Are we talking about a slight improvement in greatness? How great are we talking? Are we talking about greater compared to, I don't know, the Titanic sinking? How great are we? How great is great? Well, John chapter 14, Jesus tells us. He gives us a baseline level of greatness to look forward. And this is our scripture memory verse for the month, verse 12. Very truly, I tell you. Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these. Because I'm going to my Father, verse 13, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will. Do it. Jesus himself says that those that believe. We got a believer in here? Wait, wait, wait. wait. I'm not talking about 100% certain. I'm talking about shaky believers, but you're still managing to pray. You're still managing to read your Bible and go, I don't know what this is. How did I end up in judges? What is this concubine? Terrible story. I'm talking about belief that is like that man that says, hey, Jesus, I do believe, but, you know, could you uh, help my unbelief? I'm talking that kind of belief. I'm talking about belief that doesn't have all the answers. I'm talking about belief that's not certain. That I'm talking about the belief that believes he's good even though You don't know how this is going to turn out good for you. I'm talking about that kind of. Jesus says that those that believe, those that have hope, those that have faith in him will do even greater things than Jesus. Make you think a little bit. Blink your eyes like big, like what? Because Jesus did some big things, didn't he? <laughs> I'm going to tell you, Jesus wants you to know this. Greater is possible. Not only is greater possible, let's change it. Greater is promised. Promises. He promises this. And we read that verse. We read those several verses there. There's not a single qualification in there other than believing and asking. Can you do those two things? Can you do those two things? Can you believe and can you ask? Those verses are for you. The promises of Jesus are for you. Greater is promised to you. I believe it, Lord. I believe it. I believe it. Even so, help my unbelief. Jesus Christ who is the truth. You know, he's not lying if he's actually the truth, right? He's the very spirit of truth. He's the truth. He tells us, he promises us that we will do even greater. The same Jesus who healed a blind man. Everybody's like, they don't know what to do with this blind man. What do we do with this blind man? He's loud. Get out of here, blind man. That was the best the crowd could do for the blind man. Get out of here, you dumb blind man. You're you're just, you're, you're bothering us. That's the best they could do for the crowd. I would tell you churches are sometimes like that. 
when we don't know what to do with people, when we don't know how to help people, we're like, get out of here. Uh-oh. I've seen it. I've worked in churches like it. Been at redemption that's ever like, never, ever, ever do like that. That same Jesus in the middle of this group of people that had nothing that they could even help this guy with. Jesus promises that you can do greater than what Jesus does in the story. Jesus heals this man. Jesus gives sight to blind Bartimaeus. Hmm. The same Jesus. Huh. He comes up on a, on a crowd of 4,000 and a second time a crowd of 5,000. And they hungry. they they're hungry. They, they don't have anything to eat. And the, the workers in the group of Jesus, the apostles, the disciples, they're like, well, I don't know, Jesus. I mean, what do we do? Let's go buy something. I guess that's all we can do. We'll just buy a little bit, do whatever we can. And what does Jesus do in this story? <laughs> he does so much better than what the, the disciples were thinking to do. He just takes a little piece of fish, a little piece of bread, and he feeds thousands of people. And now Jesus is telling you that you as a believer, that you as someone who asks, will do even greater things. This Jesus promised you the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you, when His Spirit is living in you, then greater is available for you and greater is available through you. I'm telling you, you don't have to know the answer when you have the Holy Spirit working inside of you. You don't have to have it all figured out. Some of my favorite moments in life. Oh, I'm telling you, my favorite moments in life are not when I finally figure it out after 12 years of trying. Not a big fan of those portions of my life. What I'm a real big fan of is when I don't know what in the world to do, but I call on Jesus and he shows up and it's amazing and lives are changed and people are saved. And I'm blown away by how Jesus loves me and how this is so much greater than what I could do on my own. What is that? That's the Holy Spirit living inside you. That's the Holy Spirit making a way when there is no way. Does this give you hope? Does anybody feel a little hopeful? I want to tell you, faith is hope for greater. I pray that your hope and that your faith are rising right now. Right in your heart, right in your thoughts. We live in a broken world that is filled with worse news. But we have been promised greater. You have been promised a greater calling and gifting. You are promised a greater marriage. You are promised a greater career. You are promised a greater future. Whatever it is you're desiring, I'm telling you, God has promised. Jesus promised you greater. So I want you to do something. I want you to speak to the hopeless part of your life and prophesy. Now, some of you are like, well, prophesy, what are you talking about? I'm, what, you know what prophecy is? It's speaking. It's speaking. It's speaking. And so here's what you speak. You speak hope to. There's this thing. It's broken. It's awful. It's the worst. It's just the worst. And I speak to it and I say, oh, but there's a better tomorrow. They can turn their life. Jesus loves them. Jesus can speak to them when they aren't even aware of it. Jesus can open up the door. Jesus can put me in the right position. What am I speaking? I'm speaking hope and I'm speaking faith. What do I know? What's, how do I know what's going to happen? I don't know what's going to happen. That's not the point. It's not knowing because seeing is not believing Faith is believing when you can't see. So I just hope, I hope, and I draw on the hope that I had yesterday. Oh, I, I pull hope out of the time Jesus healed me. I pull hope out of the time he heard me. I pull hope out of the time he sent me a friend when I was lonely. I pull hope and I bring it and I speak it to the situation in front of me. Over the next few minutes, when we're coming to pray today, I want you to spend some time, and I want you to just, you be a prophet for a moment, and you're going to speak hope and speak faith 
And I'm not using the wrong word by saying prophet. Because when you speak hope and you speak faith through Jesus Christ, it's ever bit as powerful as any prophet ever walked the face of the earth. Somebody say, greater is coming. In a few moments, I'm going to invite you to come talk to God and receive the greater that he has for you. But first, I want to tell you, you must make the greater choice. This is my last point I want to get you today. You must make the greater choice. In Luke 10, Jesus, at the, he's at the house of Lazarus, and Lazarus has two sisters. One of them's name is Mary, or yeah, and the other one's name Martha. So we have Mary, and we have Martha, and they're the sister of Lazarus, and Jesus is at their house, and Martha in this story is kind of comical. She's like running around just a busy body trying to make everything perfect and make everything clean. But she's, she's over here. She's flipping flapjacks over here, and she's got a duster over here. And then she's like, oh, my gosh, they're going to burn. Oh, my goodness, we got to put out the silverware. Oh, my goodness, has no one swept? And now she's sweeping. It's like, oh, my gosh, the eggs. Oh, and that, that's, this is Martha. She's just all over the place. And she becomes frustrated in this story. She just becomes frustrated. She's just like, ah. And Martha called for her sister, Mary, to help me. She's over here. She's like, Mary, come in here and help me with these eggs. Let's read Luke chapter 10, verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat where? At the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. You know, those things, they just have to be made. We got to do them. We have to make these preparations. She came to him, who's him? Jesus, and asked. Now, she's coming to Jesus. She could ask him anything. We just read a verse, you ask me anything in my name and it shall be done. So she's coming to Jesus. Charles, she's asking him for something. Oh, man, this is going to be good. What does she ask? She says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me what she does. Just let that sink a little bit. That's what she does. She's going to bring that. Number one, she guilt trips the Lord. Let's learn something real quick. You're using prayer as a guilt trip for the Lord is never going to work. That was for somebody. It really was. It was for somebody. Listen, you go, don't you even care, Lord? That's, that's not it. That's not it. Tell her to help me, she says. Verse 41, Martha, Martha. I don't know how he said it. I, I would like to just hear a tape of him saying, Martha, Martha. Would it be like, Martha, Martha. Like, Martha, settle down, Martha. Would it be like, dear, is it like a sweet, oh, sweet, sweet, you sweet summer child. What, what, what kind of saying is this here? Martha, Martha. The Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away. What a sweet moment. Jesus told Martha, few things are needed. She's upset about many things. And Jesus says, few things are needed. In fact, he even narrows it down. In fact, only one thing. That's Jesus' message to her. He believes it's his message to you right now. There's really only one thing that's needed. You're worried and you're upset about so many things. 
Can you hear him calling your name like he calls mine? There is indeed only one thing that is needed. And Mary has chosen what is better. Mary has chosen what is greater. I want to tell you today, you must make the greater choice. We have two sisters, both with Jesus in the house, both with equal access to Jesus, but only one was making the greater choice. Both of them are making choices, but only one of them is making the greater choice. I'm looking today at a crowd. I'm, I'm believing a crowd online, but I want to tell you, just because we're all hearing the message does not mean that we will all make the greater decision. It doesn't mean we'll all make the greater choice. Husband could make the greater decision and the wife not make the greater decision. One brother could and then one sister could not. It is all about you making the greater choice. And there is really only one choice that is always greater. There is one choice that is always greater. And all the other things, they aren't really needed. It is this one thing, and it's more than a thing. It's a who. His name is Jesus Christ. Greater is available, but you have been, have you been choosing the greater reward? Is Jesus greater? If he is. Choose him today. Do not give me, oh, I chose him 30 years ago. No. Choose him today. Mary was chosen, has chosen what is greater, and it will not be taken from her. You can choose something greater today that will not ever be taken from you. No one could ever take it from you. Choose today. These altars are open right now. For more information about redemption, look us up online at redemption-church.com. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or even our anonymous question text line at 214-856-0550. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.